The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, we're going to talk about compassionate communication, basically a lesson in healthy communication. Maybe we can all use that right now as a reminder since we are all locked up together. Uh, we may need to learn some of these uh, these skills. So that's coming up with my guest after 10.15. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. So, you know, you can send me emails anytime to laurie at drlaurie.com. And I got a couple of uh, emails and, and texts related to the struggles that people are having during this pandemic. So anything you want to vent to me, you can and, and get the support from the passion community. You have a sex question. I'm here to answer that too. You want to comment on anything you've heard you can do that um, as well. So the Passion Poet had written this. This is getting too much. It has become surreal. We are all having issue with how we may feel. Even NASA studies concluded that prolonged isolation is not safe for the mental health on astronauts when returned to a normal life. Now it's on a mass scale. We are not islands or a stone. We are human social beings not meant to be alone. And um, I, I guess the theme of a lot of the emails that I get is definitely about uh, isolation and and being alone. Uh, so this te- emailer writes, uh, "We, uh, Dr. Laura, we all need you more now than ever. We, the passion community, need more what your show brings. I live alone. I take walks. I work four hours a day, so I at least get to socialize a little, but enough now. I've cried at least once a day for weeks now. The older couple who lives beside me left today with their daughter and son-in-law. They are going to move in with them, selling house and contents because there is no end in sight anytime soon, and Montreal is no place for the elderly. I found a check for $5,000 in my mailbox from them, thanking me for everything I did for them since this started. Uh, We need Dr. Laurie and less panels during these times. So many of us tune in and want to hear from you and texters. It is bad enough your show is only one hour long and we get the best of you on Tuesdays and Fridays. I have nothing against a kink panel or an LGBTQ panel or any other for that matter, but these trying times we need to hear from you in the passion community. We need to hear something to make us all smile or even laugh from the poet. There are so many of us suffering now from some mental issue because of what is going on, and few say anything, so I am. You said it yourself. Some people only have the radio or TV. Some of us who are lucky enough to have friends to call on, but we are all out of things to say. We are afraid to turn on the news, and when we do, it's nothing but more infections, more deaths. I called a helpline, and I think they are as distressed as the rest of us. I'm starting to cry even writing this. What is happening to us? I have sisters I love very much, but only one in Montreal, and we are very close, and we have we have to seen each other we have not seen each other in weeks i know i'm not alone in this but really we are individually we are alone a city of two million people alone help us please in the one hour we have with you help us please i'm not sure how much 
I can do except provide a, a distraction sometimes. So the panels are here to and and talk about different aspects of our lives, not just focusing on the pandemic issues, which of course are, are very present in our lives, but sometimes I too need the distraction from all of this. And so talking about other topics offers a little bit of um of that uh, distraction. I, I mean, you know, uh, you talk about your sister living in Montreal. Uh, you can go, you probably could go for a walk as long as you keep the social distance thing too, or you can stay on, on a balcony and she can see you. You just can't touch really and, and can't get that close. So uh, I still think there's ways of, of connecting. But again, uh, I know and I get and I, and I feel for people who are feeling alone and who are alone, especially in their homes. Uh, another uh, emailer writes in, um, one of my drivers resigned today. He has a 12-year-old son who is asthmatic and so is high risk. He resigned at the behest of his wife. They are both very afraid for him. He has been with my company for over eight years and never once did he miss a day. He had tears in his eyes and asked me if I could lay him off so he could claim EI. Of course I complied. I know his wife is a stay-at-home mom, so she has no income. My wife and I took it very personally but understood his situation. He drives all over the city and comes into contact with many people and has to handle material as well. Uh, My wife and I both do all the customer service dispatching and take all the calls from the drivers, and lately we have seen an increase in business as we started doing small, smaller, heavy parcel delivery. My wife called him and asked him if he would be interested in working from home as dispatcher, driver assistant, and do daytime customer service and such. She told him that we do not want to lose him as an employee. He could not believe it. He was so thankful. His wife even got on the phone and started to cry a little, thanking my wife. Um... I encourage, and this is why I'm reading it so that other people can hear it, I encourage all small and large business owners to do their best to accommodate employees with special circumstances or needs. This is no time to just look at employees as a number. These are real people and difficult times. So that's the the bottom line and and why I wanted to share that. Just as a, a friendly reminder that it's true. We are all people behind all of this. So we need to have compassion for our fellow human. And it, it's quite fitting because our, our topic uh, later on is talking about compassionate communication and maybe just a reminder of what it is to, to show uh, compassion. Another one. Thank you so much for discussing my situation on your show. Um, let me just try and remember what it is. Oh, this was the person who had written in because uh, his wife had asked him, um, she had uh, let him go to strip clubs and such, and now she's asking if she could have sex with with another guy. So the discussion of open relationships basically is what it was about. Uh, my spouse and I both heard what other people think about it. I know it might sound a bit awkward, but I'm perfectly okay with letting her go with him after she told me about her fantasy of being with two men. We often discussed having threesomes while having sex. She really wants to start a, a threesome relationship. Completely new to us because we both never had one before. However, it's challenging, but I'm more open-minded in general to sexual fantasies. My spouse and I talked literally over this and I and felt ready for the potential good and difficult outcomes. She really wants to try it out amongst her friends to share... Uh, her to share the experience okay and and just know that we've had um 
we've had people write in about this warning saying, you know, I was the third person in a marriage uh, and in a threesome and that marriage blew up and it, it all started with the threesome and the couple uh, ended up splitting up. It's great to be open to sexual fantasy. It's a whole other issue to do it in real life. That That's the only, my only concern here is that fantasies play out the way you want them to play out. In real life, you don't have the same uh, kind of control at all. So just something for you to um, to keep in mind. And text writes, and I'm actually tired of hearing we're locked up together. I'm totally alone except for the radio. My friends, correction, acquaintances don't even call because I'm no longer upbeat and entertaining to speak to. This crisis at least shows who doesn't really care. I'm doing a lot of serious thinking about who I will stop wasting my energy on if and when things come back to, to normal. It's a time for reflection and reassessment, if nothing else, hoping to survive. And I hope the same for you. And you're right. It is a time. Many people are reflecting uh, a lot on this, but it's also okay to uh, reach out and to be able to to show vulnerability and to be able to say, I, I need to talk to somebody. I want to talk to somebody. And, and you, there are, you know, people, therapists, things that people you can reach out to who may not be your friends, but who are there, um, nonetheless. to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Communication. That is a skill, a skill that we learn. It's not something that just happens naturally, believe it or not. Some of us may be good at it because we may have grown up with really great examples and we were taught at a young age to share feelings, to listen to others, to care about others' feelings, but many of us did not have the best examples. So we have, you know, we had to learn it on our own. Now, most people, when you talk about communication, they think communication is about being a good talker. It's not. It's about being a good listener and offering a compassionate ear to the other person. I see this a lot, but couples who find themselves in uh, difficulty often need these skills and they lack these particular communication skills. Many will argue with the goal of winning. And I always put this in people's heads. If you are in it to win it, then you will both lose. Just remember that. It's not about winning. Tonight, we focus on learning how to communicate more effectively and I've invited uh, somebody who's been on the show several times, Victoria Calenteris. She is an intimacy coach. She is pre- presently conducting online workshops for individuals and couples using the conscious, compassionate communication approach, which guess what? We're all going to learn tonight. Uh, so Victoria, welcome to the show. 
Great. Thank you very much for inviting me. So this is a really important topic. Uh, everybody needs to know about this, right? I think we all, just as humans, not just in relationships, but in the way we communicate with others, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's with our friends or with our, our loved ones, we this is a, a very valuable skill you're going to teach us tonight. Extremely valuable. <laughs> it, as you said, it ripples throughout the entire sphere of your life. And especially in these times. In these times, we need more compassion than we've ever needed, I think. Right? Yes, completely. And uh, this particular topic is very dear to me. So I offer every other month free class online for people to um, get a chance to practice while I tweak their style. Free. And it's free, guys. It's free. You can learn this for free. Wonderful. Well, tonight you're going to spend a little bit of time with us and, and share some of your um, your knowledge. So why don't we start with a, a definition? We know, you know people think, okay, communication means you know talking. It's like a listener, a talker, and blah, blah, blah. But when we're talking about conscious talking or conscious compassion communication, what are we talking about here? We're talking about traveling with someone and really opening your heart to hear what they have to say. And when we say an active listener, we're looking for somebody who is now consciously opening their heart and really taking in what's happening as you walk with that person, as they share a negative experience or whether they share a positive experience that they want to actually unload or share with you. Let's tell people what active listening is, because many of us, when we're talking in a, let's say with our, our partner, when, especially when things may get a little bit heated or what have you, the tendency is to prepare your own argument or to prepare your own statement rather than completely tune in to what the other person is saying. It's almost like a natural, like a fallback thing that we tend to do, you know, like, but, but, but like, you've got it in your head, right? You're, you're like, you're preparing that argument. So when you're doing that, you can't actually be present and, and, and be truly listening. You can hear it, but you can't listen. There's a, there are two different things. I agree hundred percent. You need to be fully present. And to do that, you have to put aside any judgments, any offensive or defensive strategy that you have in your head and to really listen to the story without judgment and critiquing to, to take in what's really bothering that person. And so we can slowly move towards the dissipation of the emotions that may be charged around whatever the story is that they're going to tell you. And I'm going to emphasize story because whatever experience we have is a story within our mind's eye. Mm -hmm. And then as those emotions are dissipating, then we slowly start pulling away the onion layers of what has happened to get to the root cause, the need that may have not been met at that moment in time, and to be able to come to a, a place of logic, conscious understanding that I have choice, that I can change or shift or approach the situation in a different way. And usually the person who's telling you the story actually knows the answers. It's just that they need that space to allow for that dissipation to happen before they come back online to go, you know what? I know that I, I could have done it a different way. And if they can't, then they can always say to you, hey, I don't know, I'm a little bit flustered, do you have any ideas? At that point, they will listen to your thoughts, your suggestions, but not during the process of the act of listening, because I need to unload the charge that's emotionally surrounding that story. 
And also, if we can, um, you know, you're talking about un like unloading that emotion. So oftentimes when people argue, they there's a frustration, there's blaming, there's all kinds of things that lead to the, an escalation of an argument. But the compassionate part and the conscious part and the mindful part is about looking deeper. Like you just talked about peeling that onion. There are deeper emotions related to the surface stuff. And what we're trying, I think what we need to teach people is how to access the underneath part. Okay. If my partner is, um, yelling or, or is frustrated with something, what are they actually feeling? It's not what, you know, what is the emotion that's attached to them? Are they, maybe they're frustrated because they don't feel heard. And so they're yelling, or maybe like, what's the hurt, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. You're trying to find the hurt in, in that person, in, in their deep, right? The, the hurt usually is identified as something that is not being met. So uh, my need to be understood or my need to be respected or my need to, to, to be heard. contribute mm -hmm. or to be desired from a partner or to be able to feel a connection. So if there is a missing component, this need, this hurt that is going on as we peel back those onion layers, we need to get to the root cause of the problem, and usually that shows itself through a variety of different ways, whether I'm screaming or shouting or actively moving around things or throwing things or leaving the room and shutting the door very loudly. Everybody has a different style of moving and grooving, which we always relate to our survival instinct coming online at that mm -hmm, moment in time. Mm -hmm. We're protecting our, our vulnerabilities when we yeah. do that. Um, so the key then to uh, compassionate communication is to access the vulnerability. If I, am I getting that right? Yes, it is. It is. And to do that, I need to give you that space. I need to honor that time and place that you need to let out whatever's going on. So if, if you're going to cry, if you're going to scream, if you're going to throw things around, if you're going to become very agitated and emotionally express yourself, I have to just be open with my heart and consciously and compassionately like allow for that space to happen, for you to unfold, to blossom into whatever it is that you need mm. to. That's really hard to do when someone is yelling at you or someone is, it, you know, is, is getting angry. Maybe they're not angry at you per se, but they're so irritated or so anxious about something else that they just, it, it all comes on to the person you love, right? You hurt the people you love that are the closest to you. Um, it's very hard when somebody is coming at you in that manner to sit with it, as you're saying, right? How yes, do you completely. do that? How do you, what do you tell yourself then? How do you, um, how do you stay calm when a partner is, tr is escalating the situation or is, is in your mind losing it? Well, there are a number of approaches that we refer to as biohacks to okay. calm your system down so you can actually like stay present in that very moment. And some of those biohacks relate to uh, your five senses, which is a nice segue to Tantra. So if I notice in the room four things that I can see or, and I then think about, you know, what are the four things that I can smell or what are the four things that I can hear? What are the four things I can touch currently right now? Uh, what are the uh, four things that I can actually sense into energetically. So that helps my mind get occupied and stay present here in the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the biohacks that we use. The other one that I also 
recommend that we know as a core foundational skill is to understand what your internal compass is telling you in this moment in time and to be aware of that. So the internal compass when I'm teaching is about becoming very aware of the four areas of what makes you rock and roll on a day-to-day basis. So where are you at between 1 and 10 mentally? Where are you at physically between 1 and 10? Where are you at emotionally between 1 and 10? And where's your energy level? Because if you don't know where you're at and you don't know how to gauge yourself, you may not be able to sit there and be open to listening compassionately. So I have to prepare myself to be able to handle what's going on in that moment as well. Right. And this is where it becomes the person who who is has to learn how to express themselves without uh, without the let's say the yelling or the screaming or the insults or whatever it is, and the receiver that also has to be very aware of their own state at that very moment to be yes. able to to receive. So really, we're talking about the vol- being aware of of each other's vulnerabilities. Like it it, it just takes it takes the communication to a, a whole a, a deeper level than just the surface stuff and then the surface stuff is the bickering over the stupid things but those stupid things are the symptom of of something else unfortunately there's there are underlying um feelings that we need to access and this is why that that consciousness about your uh, consciously communicating is different than just simply communicating. And this is what we're uh, learning tonight. Coming up, we're going to talk about um, empathy, why it's important to learn uh, compassionate communication, and how to do this. We're actually going to learn with Victoria Calenteris, our intimacy coach, how to do this. And she offers free online monthly uh, sessions and workshops on uh, this very topic and playfulloving.com is the um, website where you can get this information. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion CJD 800 talking about compassionate communication now when we just talk about compassion i gotta tell you my the passion community here are are very compassionate individuals and in in the text they're often wanting to reach out to each other of course i can't just give out phone numbers so what i did was if you go to the dr Lori batito facebook page I created a post there where you can speak to each other in the comments. So just comment if you are looking for uh, help, if you are looking for someone to talk to, um, use that space and talk to each other there. So I, I just uh, did that for you guys. So uh, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E-B-E-T-I-T-O. So now we're talking about um, what it is to have compassionate communication, and it is a skill to learn, and thankfully, Victoria Calentera, she's an intimacy coach out of Toronto. I've known her for 
decades now, I believe. We've known each other a very long time. Um, Her website is playfulloving.com, and she's offering free workshops, regular workshops for couples or individuals on compassionate communication, where she teaches you exactly um, how to do this, and she's sharing some of her expertise uh, with us here tonight. And I think everybody should be a compassionate communicator. As one texter wrote in, I love the phrase compassionate communication, which we don't, we don't hear too much, right? So something we do, we do need to, to learn. And in these times, I think the word compassion is coming up a lot simply because we need to be compassionate of our neighbors and the struggles that people are, uh, are going through now. And, and we can learn this. This is a skill we don't just apply in our relationships, but also with uh, with other humans in our in our uh, surroundings, um, Victoria, what's the difference between, um, in your mind, compassion and empathy? Is there a difference? Compassion, compassion well, and empathy. In the model of compassionate communication, empathy is about uh, being able to relate something inside of myself mm-hmm. that uh, comes close to being able to connect with what is going on with you. So I'm, I'm able to say, I don't know what's going on with you or I don't understand what you're going through, but I can have a sense of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I have this sense of connection through an empathic feeling right. where I can actually feel the... Um, the emotion, the right? You can, emotions, the right. emotions that are coming up within you. So I can say, I can, I can sit with you and have some kind of a level of understanding, but not fully take it on. Nor do I ever say that I'm in your shoes and I know exactly what's going on. Right, right. And compassion, then, how does that differ? It doesn't differ very much at all because the word compassion is empathy, mm-hmm. is to allow myself to be in that place where I can actually sense into what's happening, so I don't come up with any negative thought process around it. I'm actually walking with you or sitting next to you and being able to walk that dark path with you for a little while until we come to an area mm-hmm. where the clouds are parting and the sun is coming through. Right. Even when, even if I'm not feeling it, that I think that's also something that you can have compassion for people who you may not have any experience in what they are in their suffering at all, but you can have compassion for those people as well. So it's not about, you don't necessarily feel what they feel or have felt what they felt, but that, that deep feeling of, uh, like you just said, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm holding that space for you. I'm, I'm with you on, on this journey and I don't want you to feel alone. And that's part of what compassion is all about, at least the way I see it. Yes, definitely. And the key here is that you're not alone. The most important thing for most people when they want to express themselves and, and to release this overwhelming sensation of negative emotions is I need that space where somebody can hold for me so I can actually express myself without feeling weirded out or feeling all alone and nobody knows me or understands me or has any inkling of what's going on. So that's a very dark and lonely place for people. Sure. If nobody, if you feel that nobody can understand you or hear you, and it's so much worse when you're in a marriage or a relationship where you don't feel understood by your partner. So it it just, that ends up building even more frustration, even more 
disconnect because one thing that compassionate communication does is connect people to each other. So very vital uh, in um, in relationships. So if you're if you're to give um, some tips on um, how like uh, you know how to how to go about doing this, like maybe we can start that process. Okay. So um, I also want to touch quickly on some of the examples that empathy is not. Yes, a lot please. Of people have misgivings about what they think is empathy, okay. and then they, they think they're helping out, but they're really actually pushing away. Okay, good good plan. So there's a small list that I'm just going to quickly rattle off. Mm-hmm. So there's correcting. That's not how it happened, and I'm trying to fix it that way. Mm-hmm. Or there's arguing, as I'm hearing you tell me your story. I, you know, it didn't start like this. You know, the other person did something. Or there may be an interrogation form. How did it happen? Where were you? Um, how far away were you? There may be a fixing it aspect to it. You know, what will help will be the following. Right. And I'm going to give you a suggestion right now. That's a big now, one, by the way, in couples because, and it's a, and, and I'm sorry to be a, a kind of heterosexist and gender based here, but this is the, a big complaint I hear from women who, women who have the, more of the tendency to vent and men who are more in fix it mode. And so when they hear their partner venting, they go in with, you know, you should do this and you should do that all from a very good place. I want to help you, but it actually pushes the person away. I completely agree with you. I have the same issue when I'm working with individuals, and it's not necessarily the masculine form. It's the masculine energy in the right. couple. Right. So whoever has that, that side of them that comes out very strongly, though, they really want to take the pain away as soon as possible, and they want to they want to soothe you and calm you down. So they come in with the, I'm going to fix it and take the pain away right away. Exactly. And they're coming from a really good place, but in the moment where my emotions are charged – it's not the right strategy. <laughs> no, and, strategy and they don't get doesn't... it, right? It's like, yeah, exactly. what do you mean? <laughs> I'm just trying to help. <laughs> exactly. And then yeah. the other person's like, well, you're not listening to me. You're telling me what to do. And I don't like you to when you tell me what to That's do. That's right. Yeah. I think, nobody... I think people can relate to this argument a lot. <laughs> Completely. Now, the fix-it component, the strategy to figure out what are the possibilities to adjust or reframe or shift or change or do something here comes in really handy at the end of our compassionate communication model because there's a four-step process, and the fourth step is where the possibilities and the strategies and the fix-it mode can come in. Right, but together, right? Together. That's when I will be able to listen to you and your suggestions when I invite you, not when you come barreling in. Right. And I always give, I always say to couples, here's a golden rule. Do not tell your partner how they should do things or what they should do unless they ask you. If your partner says, honey, what do you think I should do about this situation I just told you about? Then you can uh, step in with your solution. But if that question has not been asked, do not jump in. (laughs) Do not tell them what to do. Agreed, 100%. And there's also one other component to that, to notice that the person may not be able to come up with a plan and they're still waiting for invitation, but the person is not able to ask for something because sometimes we have a hard time asking for help, right? That's true. So it's really nice to say, to invite. It's an invitation and a suggestion to say, are you open to hearing some thoughts on this? Right. Are you comfortable in allowing me to give you some ideas? 
So put yourself in a position of an invitation. As That's good. To, I like that. I'm going to come in and give you a direction because right. the direction usually um, backfires. Right. And the other thing, the other rule or the other uh, suggestion I give to people is just ask then, uh, anything I can do to help? Anything, anything, you know, anything I could do to help? Uh, at that point is an, another form of inviting in the other person. We're in conversation with Victoria Calentera. She's an intimacy coach out of Toronto. Her website is playfullovinging.com. If you go there, you can find information about her free workshops on compassionate communication. She's going to hang out with us a little bit uh, longer, and uh, we'll talk about how this can help us even in our professional world, learning this type of communication. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Tonight, we're getting a lesson in healthy communication, also known as compassionate communication, with my guest, Victoria Calenteris. She's an intimacy coach out of Toronto. Playfulloving.com is her website. She's holding um, uh, webinars now on the web uh, about compassionate communication. They are free, uh, so get your information at playfulloving.com. So now I want to just share a few texts, and and, uh, you can maybe offer a solution with this one. Um, Actually, let me read a little uh, poem from our poet. Some people talk a lot, but really say nothing at all, or that person is not listening. It's like talking to a wall. You need the full attention. Say what is in your mind. Just don't listen to the words. Read between the lines. Just a little compassion could go a long way. Look into their eyes and understand what they say. So that's really good. Uh, Okay, this texter writes in, So when... Uh, do we do or what do we do if fixing is not the solution my girlfriend is super depressed and I don't know how to fix it over an argument we had a week ago so this is a good uh, maybe a, a good example that we can use to um to see how a person can actually listen in that in that context Victoria so what I'm hearing him say and I'm, I'm guessing it's a him yeah, that I, I uh, so. they had an argument last week and that his partner is feeling depressed and that he really wants to help her out in some way and take away this, this sadness, this heaviness that she's uh, feeling right now. It's been carried over for a very long time and he's feeling really bad about it and he wants to be able to be able to hold space for her and, and help her out. So right now what I just did is called active listening. I just mirrored back the information that I heard and then I will ask you to tell me if I got the gist of what I just heard from you so that's an example of how we go about one way of doing it where you sit down and let her know exactly how I just repeated it back okay so being able to um, you know be able to mirror and uh, um, paraphrase also what the other person is saying or um, acknowledging and validating how the other person is feeling. Yes, and at the same time, we're going to have to carve that out. We're not going to just run up to her and say that. We're going to ask if she has time and space, and I want to acknowledge the value that she brings to my life. And I'll say something like, sweetie, I want to let you know that you know you're one of the most important people in my life and you bring such warmth to my heart and you bring such amazing insights and wonderful 
aspects of yourself that really make my heart sing, and I want to be able to be here for you, and I want to be able to talk about what happened last week because it's weighing heavy on me. Do you have some time right now or later to sit down and talk about this? So I want to validate her, acknowledge her, and to give her space and time to choose when she can come and speak to me instead of, bam, I want to talk to you right now. Right, right, right. And it's right. And then and it's the defense thing goes up, right? It's, uh, yeah. And sometimes people need space to process. And that's mm-hmm. also having compassion and saying, look, if you need time and, and if you need the space to, to, to process before we start talking, that's fine too. So that way you're not forcing somebody on your terms when you want to talk about it because you want to fix it now. Right. Yes. Yes. I I need to give that, that space, that allowance for, for me to do my check-in with my internal compass and adjust myself to be as fully open to having that sit down quality time of conversation that is needed so our connection can deepen and become much more supportive. Right. So this text writes in, then there are the people who throw fix-it solutions at you, and if you tell them you've already tried their suggestions and they didn't work, they tell you you're full of excuses and roadblocks. Then they get angry and shut you down. <laughs> and that's why fix-it solutions don't work. <laughs> well, that's that's a volley. It sounds like they're having a volleyball team yeah. um, game, and that's not going to work. We're going to need somebody to come in to kind of set some ground rules in the way they're going to be interacting. So definitely want to have what I call the foundational skills down in how we're going to go about this, because if we both start volleying back and forth, we're not going to get anywhere. Right. And I, oftentimes that happens in my office, right? It, it, like it can happen right in front of you. And it's like, you're watching this and then you point it out and you say, do you see what you do? You're doing, <laughs> you know, like two kids yeah. in the playground, you know, pulling on a rope. Like it, it's just not, uh, it's not productive. How do we do this differently? Another text writes, please, ladies, stop looking for men to be mini women. Make it clear. If you want to vent, say so. If you want help, say so. Many men are not like your girlfriends. I think it's more like, I think what this person is saying is, I can't read your mind. I don't, I don't know what you want. And being able to say, look, I I don't know what to do with this information, right? <laughs> I think that's that's a, a far more honest uh, thing to say than, like, stop doing this. It's, you know? Uh, well, uh, I'd be responding back to that very logical, linear brain talking and let them know that statistics say 80% of the time I just need to be heard. <laughs> that's right and this texter just said that sometimes a person just needs a shoulder and a caring person to vent to not a barrage of fix-it comments to shut you up <laughs> uh, yeah. that's true too another one writes i agree patience is huge for uh, compassionate communication someone else i really appreciate victoria's direct and to the point and no nonsense approach it's very refreshing now you know why i connect with victoria and did so many many years ago uh, clearly <laughs> we're similar in that way um and then another one writes fix it solutions are hardly ever useful uh for feelings problems yeah and no we just need like people just need to be heard sometimes and that's uh with that compassion and and sometimes that's enough just to be just to know that your partner is hearing you with that compassion and reflecting that compassion back to you is enough don't need to find a solution 
Yeah, completely. Like, you know, I don't know what you're going through right now, and it sounds like it's really heavy, but I feel really lucky and blessed that you feel comfortable enough to let me know what's going on, and I'm here for you. That's all I need to hear. Yeah, that's what most of us really need to hear. So how does this help in the professional world? Well, if we enter the boardroom or the office of the corporate world, now we're talking very clear and succinct. So when somebody is giving some instruction or expressing themselves, the act of listening is really key here because a lot of people really want to be heard in a very succinct, logical manner in the corporate environment. Mm -hmm. So we want things to move very smoothly and to completion, particularly when we're on a project. So being able to acknowledge and validate all the individuals that are participating is key. It's key to good leadership, actually, to be able to... Uh, hear people's emotions around it. You know, some people may be getting overwhelmed. Some people may be acting out of out of anxiety for things. We're all different, right? And and we yeah. can all get uh, something done, but we all can approach we all approach it differently. And people still in the workplace, a good boss is also one that can acknowledge everybody's individual um, vision or feelings about whatever it is. And keeping in mind, it's not just the, the leader of the pack. It's also the pack itself that it will create a, an incredibly supportive team that runs really smoothly together mm-hmm. and allowing everybody to have or to teach or have somebody come in like myself and teach you the core skills and the foundation of being able to communicate. It becomes very smooth and very natural, and everybody's emotions are given that space and time and at the same time we can come back to linear logic where we can actually run through whatever's required at work right because the goal we we don't lose sight of the goal but we still hear everybody in the process exactly so goal-oriented people are what the corporate environment is about but when we come to interpersonal when we talk about human beings and their vulnerabilities we talk about intentions and comfort levels Right. As opposed to setting an expectation, because the word expectation actually means disappointment and represents a very negative sense of what's going on. Right. You make a lot of sense there, Victoria. So people want to take your courses and delve into this deeper, because obviously we've just simply scratched the surface tonight. Where can people go and when's your next uh, workshop? So my next workshop, so what I do, um, since this is a really awesome topic for me and I think it's super important, you'll find it on Playful Loving that every other month I do a free class for practice night, which means you get to come in with an actual real-life example and then you get to role-play it out and then I get to finesse it and fine-tune it for you. And then the opposite month, you actually uh, attend a workshop where you actually are paying for the workshop because then I'm teaching you the actual foundational components of what you need as your arsenal for compassionate communication. And then you get practice time every other month. Okay, great. And that's at PlayfulLoving.com. Yes. Victoria Calenteris, we will speak again soon, I'm sure. Keep me posted on all the work you're doing. Will do. All right, you take care. You uh, too, th- take care. Thank you. Thank you all for texting in, folks. And by the way, uh, you know, I've been getting a lot of uh, texts, um, people needing support, and that's that's great. And what I did was on the Dr. Lori Batito page, the public image page on Facebook, I created a post there, and feel free to comment on that post, share 
Uh, if you need something, you like have the, it's for the passion community. So I just, I want everybody to go there and like the page, first of all, but also if um, you want to reach out to each other, that's a good way to do it. Because I know that on the show, people are trying to reach out, like would like to reach out to those needing, but clearly I'm not in a position where I'm going to hand out people's phone numbers, even though I see your phone number here, right? So I did it through Facebook. So try going on there. Uh, thank you very much, Nicole, our technical producer tonight. Uh, you can connect with me on social media, again, at Dr. Lori Betito. My last name spelled B-E-T-I-T-O, or at drlori.com, where the podcasts are also available from all the past shows. Coming up next year on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a wonderful rest of the evening. Stay safe, and remember to live your life with passion. I'm feeling-